1: they do a great job. Visit Airconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Keith Maples, the chief development officer at the Neighborhood Health Clinic. Terrific organization, doing great work to support working people here in uh, Collier County. Jern Burlau is a uh, senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He's written a book about George Washington, George Washington entrepreneur. I thought it might be appropriate to get some words about George Washington right here just before President's Day. And Dave Bega, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. It is February the 12th and on this day in 1912, San Tung, probably mispronouncing that, but I'm doing my best. Last emperor of China was forced to abdicate following San Yet Sen's Republican Revolution. A provisional government was established in his place, ending 267 years of Manchu rule in China and 2,000 years of imperial rule. The former emperor, only six years old, was allowed to keep up his residence in Beijing's Forbidden City, and he took the name of Henry Pu Yi, Pu Yi was enthroned as emperor in 1908 after his uncle, uh, emperor, died. He reigned until uh, regency and underwent a training to prepare himself for his coming rule. However, in October of 1911, his dynasty fell to Sun Yat-sen's revolution, and four months later he was abdicated. The new Chinese government granted him a large government pension and permitted him to live in the imperial palace until 1924, when he was forced to exile. After 1925, he lived in Japanese-occupied Tianjin, and in 1932, Jap- Japan created the puppet state of Manchukuo in Manchuria under his rule. In 1934, Henry Puyi was enthroned as King Yi, King Tai probably Emperor of Manchukuo. Despite any guerrilla resistance against his puppet regime, he held the emperor's title until 1945 when he was captured by Soviet troops. In 1946, Puyi testified before the Tokyo War Crimes Tribunal that he'd been an unwilling tool of the Japanese and not, as they claimed, an instrument of Manchurian self-determination. Manchurian and the Rihid province were returned to China, and in 1950, Yi was handed over to the Chinese communists. He was imprisoned at Changyang until 1959, when Chinese leader Mao Zedong granted him amnesty. After his release, he worked as a mechanical repair shop in Peking. That just amuses me for some reason, but What an interesting life for this young Epper. Turned Epper at six years of age. It's just a very interesting life. Anyhow, all that happened on this day. The Florida Department of Health reported 100 new cases of COVID-19 and four additional deaths in Collier County yesterday. Uh, By the way, the list of uh, people that died, there's one here that's 62 years of age. December the 22nd, 7th, he died so uh, most of them elderly but uh, and most of them died uh, earlier in january or december tires moving 7 day average for new cases was 92 through wednesday about half of the average on january the 1st so the numbers are numbers are dropping it was also the lowest case average since november the 14th uh, around 2 p.m. yesterday there were only 65 folks in the hospital because of covid-19 so Numbers are looking better and better. Uh, there's a lot of fear, of course, about uh, another strain of the virus, but things are looking good right here in Collier County. Joe Biden on Thursday said the coronavirus vaccination program he inherited from Donald Trump was in much worse shape than he expected, <laughs> while patients and also, and also announcing the government has bought 200 million more doses. We're not going to have everything fixed for a while, but we're going to fix it, Biden said in remarks to a National Institutes of Health in Bethesda. Uh, with demand for the vaccine far outstripping supply, Americans are struggling to get appointments for their inoculations, leaving Biden with an acute problem of less than a month after taking uh, office over from Trump. Biden said that uh, who said Trump, who spent his last two months in office in a futile effort to overturn the results of de- the e- election, did not order enough vaccine and did not do enough to get people lined up to get vaccinated. You know what my response to that? Hey, President Biden, quit whining and just lead. President Trump, when he was faced with these issues with the coronavirus, he mobilized uh, pharmaceutical companies to develop and get this vaccine out in months rather than years. And you're complaining. Unbelievable. Uh, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is pushing back against reports about a potential coronavirus-related domestic travel restriction for Floridians, calling the idea unconstitutional. He's being nice. And I think it's absurd report that they would be doing that. I think it would be unconstitutional, it would be unwise, and it would be unjust, DeSantis said in a press conference yesterday. Meanwhile, DeSantis said he's unclear why Biden administration would target Florida for travel restriction, given the pandemic is far worse than other states. And the border uh, permits uh, illegal immigrants. Think about that for a while. Illegal immigrants pouring across the border, and uh, the president is allowing that. And if you think about it, restricting the rights of Americans to travel freely through that country while other illegal aliens pour across the southern border unmolested would be ridiculous, but very damaging and a very big farce, he said. DeSantis told reporters that he will oppose any travel restrictions because Florida is doing better than many other states to contain the virus, with the death rates lower and the rates of vaccinations. So we oppose it 100%, he said, it would not being based on science, it would be based purely on a political attack against the people of Florida. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. I think he's the best governor in the country right now. Maybe uh, the North Dakota governor will give him a little competition on that, but I think he's doing a great job, mainly because he's staying in his lane and he's not making mass mandates and other ridiculous things that do no good. For the public. So, the White House Press Secretary Jim Psaki announced yesterday the pathetic goal of 50% of schools being open or hybrid within uh, Biden's first 100 days. Even the usually left leaning Politico said it's a goal so modest and lacking in ambition, it's almost meaningless. <laughs> we presently have 65% of our students attending schools, beating the standard, with 40% fully open and another 25% on part time hybrid schedules. Uh, No thanks to Biden, his bold, ambitious goal has already been met before he took office, and to get back to it now would mean actually losing thousands of schools. Uh, Jen Sasaki said, certainly we are not planning to celebrate 100 days if we reach that goal, she said. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Uh, Red states are doing a much better job than blue states at getting kids back in the classroom. Yet another reason Americans are fleeing Democrat states in order to uh, come to places that are open. Blue states, uh, the five-day uh, week per week in learning classes, 20, 21% of uh, blue states, uh, 61% of red states are open, and with 100% of virtual, uh, well, right now the national average is 41% of kids attending school five days a week or the schools being open, so uh, again, red states doing a lot better. You know, and what's ironic about this? During the pandemic, we've seen reductions in cancer, diabetes, heart disease, car accidents, how about the flu, slip and falls, murder, and common flu all at once. Uh, again, I come back to the fact that most of these deaths are being lumped in as COVID, and uh, <laughs> these results are not going—they're not going down. They're simply lumping all the deaths in with uh, COVID-19. So. This impeachment is political theater, so who's the audience? The trial, whose outcome was predetermined long ago, is all uh, the drama and dignity of a hot dog eating contest. Schumer and Pelosi's goal seemed to be to have uh, Democrats spend many hours in front of TV cameras trashing Trump. Boy, they miss him, don't they? Last night, the Cracker Jack House impeachment managers read from the Washington Post columns quoting unnamed White House sources about Trump's behavior. So now unnamed hearsay from a left-wing propaganda factory is evidence in a court of law? I don't think so. Uh, what Americans are learning from this kangaroo court is that nearly every Democrat in Congress still suffers from Trump derangement syndrome. The Senate uh, had just about enough of the Democrats grandstanding at the second Trump impeachment pile, trial, and 15 Republican senators showed the Democrats just how important they thought that their rambling baseless tirades against Trump were. They didn't show up at all. 15, Joe Biden, finally, Joe Biden finally broke his silence on the tr- impeachment trial. He said boldly, I think the Senate has a very important job to complete. He said, my guess is some minds may be changed, but I don't know. Well, that's a bold statement there, Joe Biden. Even uh, some of the Democrats are falling asleep during this thing. So it was pretty, pretty unbelievable. And, you know, they're calling for a more... Uh, Green New Deal. Well, the U.S. leads the world in greenhouse gas reductions. The meeting, the greenhouse groups would never admit or report this, but no president in modern times did more to clean out, clean the air and the water than Donald J. Trump. The latest analysis shows for emissions that the U.S. saw the largest drop in carbon emissions at 12%, followed by the European Union at 11%. Uh, <laughs> the United States is doing that, and they're not even part of the. Uh, paris climate accord nor should they be of course this president is planning on joining as you can tell i'm not much of a fan of old joe but why is he in a hurry to join the paris accord it makes no sense we're leading the world the globe in reduction in oxygen and carbon dioxide i should say that's not good for us carbon dioxide is good this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by Reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Bee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubee's.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, Cafe M25, wash Washington Detailing Center and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
0: Welcome back to the Bob harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Maples. He's the chief development officer for the Neighborhood Health Clinic. Great organization. Right now we have William Yateman with us. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Let's uh, tell our listeners about the Cato Institute. You bet.
2: We're, uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government.
1: Cato.org is the website, C A T O T O.org. So, William, let's start off with impeachment. And uh, <laughs> just, it's turning out to be kind of a, a pillow fight up there in Washington, D.C. What's, what's going on? What are your thoughts?
0: Well, from
2: a bird's eye view, um, I'll note, and this is something I've articulated in our past conversations, that uh, I do believe the president's post election um, behavior w- w- was shameful. I mean, I don't disagree with that. At the same time, I think this impeachment now um, isn't necessarily what's best in the best interest of the country. I mean, it's certainly not, it uh, doesn't comport with Biden's call for unity. And I'd say that 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 I would have been more comfortable with the proceedings had they occurred in the immediate wake of what happened on January sixth. Um, so by waiting a month, waiting till after Trump left office, um, I just wonder, with all these other pressing issues facing our nation, if this is really a, a wise decision by the Senate. But setting that uh, aside, mm-hmm. um, regarding this week's events, yeah, pillow fight. Um, I think is an apt description. It's, it, we've got a very rushed process going on here. They expect to wrap this up in five days, whereas the average for uh, presidential impeachments has been 21 days. I think Trump's prior impeachment took 37 days, I believe. Um, but uh, I do think that uh, Trump's legal team did not acquit themselves terribly well on day one, on Tuesday.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: and I think that uh, Representative Jamie Raskin has acquitted himself quite well um, uh, in, in making these emotional appeals. That again, these don't—they're uh, peddling primarily in hearsay and in uh, emotional heartstrings uh, from things like a video. I mean, it, it's very—I realize this is a political process, but even more so than normal, this doesn't in any way reflect what goes on inside a courtroom. Yeah, um, but uh the, i guess uh today is when trump's defense team will uh, offer their rebuttal they're they're only expected to go on for 3 or 4 hours um and then uh, this weekend i believe a verdict is expected to be rendered
1: yeah ask you a pointy question have you watched any of the proceedings
2: i on day 1 i watched um and again i thought but i agreed with the general consensus and even sort of the general consensus of GOP lawmakers that um, Raskin was a very effective presenter, a very effective counsel. And um, I, I do believe that Bruce Castor, in particular, and th- this is not a novel opinion, I, mean, I think it's widely shared by Republicans and Democrats. But, right. Um, the lead statement on Tuesday did not benefit the president very much.
1: So, well, I, you know, I just don't think, uh, of course, the audience for this thing is uh, the, sen- the uh, United States senators, 100 of them are going to be making a decision about this. 15 of the GOP guys just walked out and didn't he pay attention
3: <laughs> yesterday.
1: Bernie Sanders was falling asleep. Uh, it, you know, I, I just don't think there's a lot of uh, animation in this whole proceedings right now. I think that it's a foregone conclusion. President Trump was out playing golf yesterday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I'll say, I believe Senator Rob Portman as well fell asleep. And yeah. it's been reported that Senator Thune uh, uh, was also, no, I'm sorry, Jen, Senator Cornyn, um, was nodding off, but yes. I mean, I think you're, you you got to the, the core of the issue there that the results are preordained yeah. um, before the proceedings even began. Um, uh, the forty-six members of the Republican Caucus um, uh, voted for uh, uh, voted the proceedings themselves were unconstitutional. That's so right. So highly unlikely they're going to vote to convict. So it... It, the abbreviated proceedings. Everything about it, the, the way that it occurred sort of six weeks after the fact, the abbreviated proceedings, um, as you said, the pillar fight nature, um, I, I, I just wonder whether or not this is a useful uh, allocation of the Senate's scarce. Time.
1: Well, I'll say this. I mean, it, it keeps them from doing other dangerous stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> but but the, the, the other side to it is I think if, if their intent is to try and convince the American people that uh, orange man is bad, uh, anything but that the exact opposite is happening. I think it's just firming the resolve of people who supported Trump. And I, I, to me, I think they're a stock for, for doing this. And it's, it's kind of a joke.
2: Well, indeed. I mean, I think that people already had set opinions on this. You know, not the the American people writ large, but in particular the hundred senators. So, you know, I just wonder. um, I echo your statement.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on. I want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, COVID bill that's being proposed—one point nine trillion dollars. Unbelievable, and so much junk in it. So much. uh, It's it's just unbelievable. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, we spoke about the operative principle last week, and that is uh, never let a crisis go to waste, the Mm -hmm. famous utterance of Rahm Emanuel during Mm -hmm. the 2009 financial crisis. And and that's what we're seeing here. Um, Again, I've spoken, I believe, last Friday that that where we are procedurally with this bill is that there's a lot of negotiations going on right now in the House and Senate as to what's to, to be in it. Um, and we're seeing from the Democrat-controlled uh, chambers of Congress uh, a lot of junk, as you put it. I mean, mm. the stuff that has nothing to do with the ongoing COVID pandemic. And, and a couple examples of things that are being pushed, um, a $15 minimum wage, mm. you know, what does that have to do with COVID? But we do know that according to the uh, CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, that that would kill 1.4 million jobs. I mean, that's exactly what economists have been saying forever um, when it comes to uh, uh, artificially increasing uh, the, what employers must play there, Yeah, pay I mean, it,
1: you, you just think about the fact that we have higher unemployment right now. People are seeking jobs. Money hasn't been coming out from the government, which probably is a good thing in my opinion, but uh, irrespective, we need to get people back to work. How does how does increasing the minimum wage help people do that? It's simply... Uh, uh, it will cut jobs because if you're a small business, you got to think twice about uh, paying six or seven dollars an hour more for a person who's coming on and, and perhaps having their first job. Uh, it makes no sense at all.
2: You, exactly, it it flouts it, it, well, it's common sense, and I'll note this: you hit the nail on the head. It's not just that it has nothing to do with COVID. It's that it's actually antithetical to the purpose of the bill, which is to improve people's lives, you know, to, in the midst of this economic downturn, to, to increase employment. Um, so it just it violates common sense. But that's not the only junk that's being bandied about, to be put in this must-pass bill, to never let a crisis go to waste. Um, another very popular idea now is a hundred million green bank. Um, again, at base value, this has nothing to do with COVID. But um, through some sort of a rationalization, of, of, uh, I think it's that, um, in an indirect manner, that uh, this would increase employment. I mean, again, I don't even think that there's any proper connection between green bank um, and COVID. Nevertheless. This is something that progressives are pushing to put in the bill. Yeah. Um, on top of all sorts, you know, $30 billion in mass transit bailouts. No one's using mass transit right now. Right. It's just um, across the board, we're just seeing them use this must pass bill as an opportunity to stuff it full of uh, pet uh, things that have long been progressive pet projects.
1: Yeah, bailing out blue states, and you can go on and on. The, the point is, you know, I firmly, I really believe the bills will not pass uh, in this fashion. They, certainly they have to be negotiated down. I don't think, I don't think they'll muster the votes in order to pull this off, quite frankly. Uh, William Yatman again, uh, he is the research fellow at the Cato Institute, terrific organization, great cause, libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Visit Cato.org, cat org. William, always appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on, Bob.
1: My pleasure indeed. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Maples, Chief Development Officer with the Neighborhood Health Clinic. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot, state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett-Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We provide you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Burlow of the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Maples. He is the Chief Development Officer of the Neighborhood Health Clinic. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thanks, Bob. I appreciate this.
1: Absolutely, Keith. So uh, tell us about the Neighborhood Health Clinic.
3: So, the Neighborhood Health Clinic, which unique about it is, uh, of course, we take care of uninsured working adults that are 200% poverty. So, we're looking at people that, uh, if they're single, are generally about $25,000 a year.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, w- the way you do that, uh, it's such a remarkable organization because you have mostly volunteers, uh, no government funding as I understand it, and you uh, if- You've got uh, doctors volunteering their time, nurses volunteering their time, all for the purpose of helping these people get uh, medical coverage or medical uh, uh, care that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to afford.
3: Absolutely. So, you know, we're if it wasn't for our volunteers, we couldn't do what we do. We have over 700 volunteers, over 250 physicians and nurses. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work by Dr. Lashide and Nancy Lashide, who started the clinic in '99. Uh, because it was probably 10 to 15 years prior to that uh, that they worked on what we call sovereign immunity that we have in the state of Florida, Mm. and other states have it as well, where it allows our physicians that are medically licensed here in the state of Florida that they can actually uh, work at the clinic and volunteer those hours without worrying about having malpractice insurance. And so it really allows uh, those working physicians as well as retired physicians
1: Keith are you there give back to oh, us. okay there you go okay so uh, yeah great organization uh, I've been following it since it's a, really began and uh, it's just been a fantastic uh, in, in my opinion it's actually a template it should be used all over the United States it's a great way to provide service for the people who are less fortunate and, and working uh, the working poor so you've got some big projects going on maybe you could tell us about it
3: Absolutely, Bob. So, you know, we've been in this in this phase of a capital campaign since 2017 where we had some private receptions. Uh, we opened it up to the public about two years ago. Uh, so it's been about a three-year project, and uh, we had a goal of $12.8 million. You know, initially we wanted to uh, build uh, a dental op- dental operator, a dental suite, um, and then we uh, looked at the overall vision of Dr. Lashide and Nancy, with a a clinical campus for our patients and realized this was the time to do this $12.8 million project. And with the leadership of our board, uh, with the leadership of our advisory board for the capital campaign, uh, we were able to uh, build this out. Uh, We actually, coming up this Thursday, uh, we actually have our unveiling of the Armstrong Medical Building, which is our uh, two-story building that houses our dental operatories and dental suite, our radiology, our full radiology suite and then uh, all of our specialty uh, clinics upstairs with gynecology where we have more privacy for our patients, wound care, um, ear, nose, and throat, cardiology, and many other things. Yeah. So we're very excited about that. And of course, we have a, a special announcement regarding the capital campaign on Thursday as we break ground uh, for our Van Dammen Education and Wellness Building, which is gonna be necessary to continue the education and wellness of our patients, to work with them, to help them understand their diseases, since our patients are dealing with three to five chronic diseases on average.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm I'm really impressed with the fact that you have a dental clinic. I think that's so important. You know, pretty much a a very important part of our own personal health is taking care of our our teeth and our gums. A lot of uh, disease comes out of uh, not having that happen. So uh, it's a very important consideration. So, Again, I'm just uh, really, really proud of having something like this in uh, Naples. Uh, And now, by the way, this all happened during the pandemic.
3: It did. You know, it's interesting. I was actually on a Zoom call yesterday, and it was uh, talking about development and talking about how cultivating donors and really getting your message out during this pandemic. And, you know, they talked about somebody dealing with a project during the pandemic and how, how hard it was. You know we have such a wonderful community here Mm. and such wonderful donors that uh, we were able to really work with our donors during this pandemic and really gain a lot of um, movement and a lot of momentum with this promotion with this campaign and uh, that's what's exciting about having this uh, event on Thursday where we can come out and talk about what we have planned what we've achieved to this point. And it, And again, a lot of it was over the past 12 months.
1: Yeah, so really a terrific organization. Uh, now, uh, I'm guessing that you could still use some funding.
3: Absolutely, we could always use funding. You know, what's interesting is we have the, uh, we put a lot of this in place. We still are reaching out to a lot of organizations to help us with uh, some equipment, uh, individual donors with some equipment as well. You know, we, we just recently had Trinity by the Cove Uh, actually uh, gave us a grant for the freezers for the vaccine. If we, if, and when we get vaccines, we'll have the freezers. Mm -hmm. Um, We also talked to another church on Marco Island, Marco Island United Church. And uh, we talked to them about the expansion of the second floor and we have physical therapy rooms and they've actually funded one of the physical therapy rooms, allowing us to get the equipment. So we're always in need um, because again, we want to have all that necessary equipment for our patients. So it's they come to the campus, they get their services, and then they leave. Because as you know, if a, as our patients, any time that they miss away from work affects uh, the roof over their heads right. and the food on their table.
1: Absolutely. So, again, Keith, uh, how uh, tell us about uh, your credentials or, or rather your, your website and uh, how, how can we get involved?
3: Absolutely. So you can contact us through www.neighborhoodhealthclinic.org. That's our website. Uh, And, and of course, you can always reach us and you can reach me directly. Uh, My number is 239-529-2264 at the clinic uh, for any questions. My email address is also on the website, but feel free to go to the website. We have a very in-depth website. It allows you to go see kind of our current capital campaign. Uh, We actually are uh, going through our gourmet vintner dinner. Right now, which is actually, uh, we're not having the event, but it's the No-Show Gourmet Vintner Dinner. Yeah. So you, people can go to our website and see how they could participate with that uh, giving. Uh, the Gourmet Vintner Dinner is very important to us because it's 35% of our operating budget. And without having the actual event that raises $1.1 million, um, we're continuing to interact and, and make people aware of, of the needs of the clinic.
1: Yeah, terrific organization. I happen to know of a volunteer uh, she's a business owner here in the community her husband died but she got involved in uh, volunteering she has a, a nursing skills she got involved uh, in, in at volunteering at the clinic she said it actually changed her life she'd come from the Dominican Republic she said it really made her part of the community and she was so pleased to be part of it she just looks to her volu- forward to her volunteering uh, every week so uh, uh i'm i'm imagining there's still some volunteer opportunities available too
3: there is, yes. And you can go to our website as well to do that. We have, uh, again, we we survive on volunteers. We have 20, 20 total staff, uh, 13 full-time and seven part-time staff. So our 700 volunteers are our uh, glue uh, for our patients and for the clinic. And so if anybody's interested in volunteering, we have not only medical volunteers, but also administrative volunteers. Uh, we also have some in the development area that could help volunteer as well. So you can reach out to me. You can reach out uh, through the website. And uh, definitely, uh, if that's of interest to you, please let us know.
1: All right. Again, uh, neighborhoodhealthclinic.org is the website, neighborhoodhealthclinic.org. Keith, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you so much, Bob. Take care.
1: My pleasure, indeed. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Burlow. John is a senior fellow at the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. It's a great organization. He also has written a book. It's called George Washington Entrepreneur. I've read the book. It's just terrific. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Well, you're aware that they closed down Parlor and there's a lot of. Uh, there's, I'm monitoring free speech here. I found a website, Choice Social. It's really terrific. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. I, I uh, put my show up there every day so you can download it on Choicesocial.us. Check it out, Choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us John Burlow. He is a senior fellow at a terrific organization. It's the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He's the author of a great read. Here we have coming up on President's Day, well, that would be George Washington's birthday, and his his name of his book is George Washington Entrepreneur. John Burlow, thank you so much for joining us. Bob
4: it's always a pleasure. thanks so much for having me my
1: pleasure john and uh, before we talk about the book, tell us about the competitive enterprise institute
4: well, the competitive enterprise institute is sort of is interested well it's more than sort of interested in preserving america's heritage of free enterprise uh, innovation uh, uh uh dynamism and 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 our um uh, and our and our and our liberties and we look at uh and this is this book is they uh, gave me some time to work on it to show how America is rooted in in liberty and free enterprise. Yeah. Uh, CEI dot org is our website.
1: CEI dot org. Do check it out. It's a terrific organization and the job just got a little the lift got a little heavier <laughs> with this new administration with regard to your your mission. But uh I read George Washington, entrepreneur. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, he was uh, George Washington was a great leader. He's a great president. He was a great uh, military leader, but he was also a great entrepreneur. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Well, yes, yes. In fact, one, you know, it was it was his skills there that sort of translated into how to to govern and make and. Uh, uh, make the U.S. make the U.S. such a great a great country, but he he was able to uh, he didn't he didn't start out with as much as the other founding fathers. You know, he was a middle uh, middle child, didn't inherit much. So he started when he was you know he couldn't go to uh, his family couldn't afford to send him to college. When he was sixteen, he became a surveyor and he started acquiring real estate when he was a surveyor from the land he he surveyed sometimes he would get paid in it then he would um uh he would be uh when say the mount mount vernon when when his uh uh it would his land wouldn't grow uh, tobacco or would harm the soil he he switched to uh wheat and hemp and he diversified the crops then with the wheat you know he integrated his enterprises and made that um uh into uh Flour, which he branded, put his own name on, and exported throughout the colonies and and uh, and to Great Britain and some of the British uh, other uh, West Indies colonies. So he really had an international brand. And then after the war, he built one of the largest whiskey distilleries in in the, in the U.S. So uh, was a very savvy entre- entrepreneur, yeah. um, uh, sort of the. You know, in in ways you think of, you know, the late Steve Jobs and Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, he had a greenhouse. So he he was breeding mules. So he had just had so many different interests. And what what really struck me in reading the book is you realize how the encroachment of uh, the uh, the British on his, you know, he they had uh, the, you know he had the fear of perhaps having his businesses taken away from him because of the onerous. Uh, uh, Leadership, or it just the government of the uh, British, so you can understand why he was passionate about liberty and why he wanted to secede from from uh, from Britain.
4: Very much so. A lot of the focus has been on the taxes, but Britain also—they really did not want America to build any type of manufacturing um, uh, that would would potentially compete with with Britain. They wanted they, they wanted basically to be America to be like just. Uh, farm Bell to, to to supply them with to supply them with food and tobacco mm-hmm. but i mean that's the thing they had laws like against ma- even things like making nails and uh and uh and making into uh, making you know for iron and, ste- and steel manuf- manufacturing um the the like the even even things like making hats where there was something called the hat act and he said if they can uh that, um, you know, he was worried, he was expressed it to George Mason, in, in, you know, another founding father in the letter in 1769, it says that they could, you know, that they could seize, you know, my manufactory if we don't, uh, um, and, and that's when he first kind of taking up arms against them. So that was definitely a motivator was, you know, the, not just the taxes, but the red tape bridge and put on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He had not, a, not only wanted to have freedom for uh, the people of America, he also, for the, in the colonies, he also wanted to protect his own business interests and what he had developed, which were substantial. And, uh, you know, he was not, as I mentioned, he's also a great general. And one of the reasons why his surveying work helped him to better understand the lay of the land. He'd been all over the colonies doing that type of work, so he understood the terrain, which really helped him in the, uh, in the uh, revolution
4: yes he knew he knew he could study and size up land well and what it would do and when you know when it when it would when it would would snow and things like that and and would there would be a way for you know to get his to get his troops um uh, like up there to say surprise the british and say the second battle of trenton battles like that and, and crossing Crossing the Delaware, and so very much knew the knew the lay of the lay of land as well as getting experts. I mean, he hired what were then the cartographers, the map makers of the day. He drew his own maps, but also would you know was fascinated with maps and would hire just the expert. Uh, he got Congress to give an appropriation to hire the in the Revolutionary War the expert map makers.
1: Yeah, you know, John, I just recommend the book to our listeners, and it's especially coming up here on President's Day. I think it'd be a great idea to give yourself the gift of George Washington Entrepreneur. Uh, How's the book available?
4: It is available at any anywhere books are sold on on Amazon, at Walmart.com, at your at your local bookstore online or or, or in person. If it's not there, ask for it, please.
1: Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> yesterday I was looking for a copy of the book, and I couldn't find it, and then I finally remembered that I read it online. So <laughs> It was kind of interesting. It is, it is available, and I like to read books online, so you can get it uh, uh, on in that way as well. Finally, uh, any, you're, you're focused on entrepreneurship. You're focused on enterprise at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Any comments about what's going on here in, in uh, this administration?
4: Well, it's under we need to we need to be eternally 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 vigilant, and we are at the Competitive Enterprise Institute at, at cei dot org, and just yeah, that there's a lot of a lot of things we need to watch out as far as as far as red tape going uh, going on. You saw we saw was the Keystone uh, where they shut off the Keystone. Pipeline and all the jo- all the jobs there, so we're we're wa- we're watching we're watching that, but hopefully you know the uh, we can we can persuade enough that you know the, about the the spirit of George Washington and founding fathers and the free enterprise
1: there. Absolutely, George Washington Entrepreneur is the name of the book. George Washington Entrepreneur. The website is cei dot org. Uh, John, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you so much for having
1: me. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Vigo. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I'm sure a book he wished he didn't have to write It's about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. Uh, he wanted, They wanted to unionize, SEIU union bosses, wanted to unionize his business. And uh, he said you can't do that uh, unless you do it by secret ballot. They just wanted to go by and sign up his employees. And once they had 50% plus one, he would be unionized. He said, nope, got to do it by secret ballot. The fight ensued for two and a half years. Dirty tricks. You just can't, you can't make the stuff. It's a great read. It's called The Devil on Our Doorstep by Dave Beagle. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting
1: Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction? Support your favorite charity? and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692 9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll check out the website, vfga.org. We have with us Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I told you about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. Well, he learned a lot about, <laughs> about unions, about uh, dirty tricks of uh, Democrats. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. So, uh, Dave, uh, I was hoping you make a comment about what happened with regard to shutting down the pipeline and uh, didn't make the union bosses so happy.
5: Well, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, the, even though he says he's pro-union and the unions supported him big time getting him elected, Biden's doing a lot of things that uh, are hurting the unions, and that's because um, uh, the unions are in control of the left like the SEIU. don't care about the uh, union guys on the pipeline.
1: It's so true. And, you know, I just watch what President uh, Biden is doing right now, now over 50 executive orders and so forth. And, uh, you know, I just think to myself, how is this making America great again? The things that he's doing, that's just catering to a special interest he's got, doesn't demonstrate any interest in the American people.
5: No, and when you, I don't know if you watched him as uh, they've showed him signing those things, uh, he doesn't even look at them. He just pulls them up and signs them. uh, You know, um, I don't think he even knows what he's he's signing. Uh, He's just doing what they tell him to do.
1: Unfortunate indeed. So uh, I don't know if you're watching the impeachment stuff at all, or, or you know what's going on. But I would just appreciate your general comments on what you're seeing.
5: Well, I think again, this is the uh, the left. Uh, it's um, their agenda to uh, make sure that somebody like Trump doesn't get uh, back into politics again and have a chance to run for re-election. That because uh, they don't want somebody like that in there that will confront them and um, And uh, they don't want a a country like that. They want a communist country.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And, uh, you know, you think about his agenda, and you think about the agenda right now of the left, and it's, you know, more of a globalist agenda. Certainly doesn't have the interest of the American people. What made uh, Trump so exciting, I believe, is that he demonstrated a real desire to return the government, the federal government, to the American people. It excited me, and I think excited about seventy-four million people around the country. Now, by contrast, you watch what's going on, and one board by one board, he's uh, Biden is dismantling. I think what Trump built, and it's just so unfortunate.
5: Well, it really is. You know, on the National Labor Relations Board, um, he's uh, he, he got uh, uh, robbed, the former management side attorney, was uh, had him taken out, and. Um, you know the unions are cheering about that because now they they're going to go in and they're really going to uh, start pushing their agendas and and the big one is the pro act uh, where they can do card check like the SEIU wants to do against us.
1: Yeah, which would allow them just to go by and sign up folks as opposed to have to use the secret ballot. So I mean, to me, it's it's just a shame because many unions do provide good value, but many don't like SEIU, and they're simply. Well they're just uh, hustlers. They're just uh, trying to trying to get money out of the wages, out of the dues to uh, in order to send to the Democrat Party and it's just a vicious circle. Democrat Party supports the unions and uh, it's it's a cabal is what it amounts to.
5: Well, it is and uh, you know, uh I really don't think Biden will be president very long. I think he'll just get succeeded by Kamala Harris, and uh, oh God help! She it. is a far left radical, oh. and um, I, I've seen a lot of articles on her lately that um, she wants to uh, bring down this country too and totally change the country, and that she is um, she she is part of the um, uh, the communist socialist left.
1: Right. Well, you know, we talk about conflicting uh, vectors here within the nation. And of course the Biden wants the support of the union, but this green new deal thing, I think is kind of in conflict in some, in some ways with what the unions want.
5: Oh yeah. I, I agree with you because what it does is what they want to do is eliminate jobs in a lot of different areas. And, um, you know, I, I feel sorry for these people out there that, uh, are being pushed by this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's it's like gun control and everything else. It's yeah. all their way of controlling the American people. It isn't doing the right things for the American
1: people. Absolutely. Well, right now, the, <laughs> the $15 an hour wage that they're promoting right now, that's going to kill jobs. Uh, it, it, I don't think these people really understand economics. I don't you know, I don't think they've ever owned a business.
5: Well, you're exactly right. Um and they don't care to. They don't want to. They don't want to go out and compete in the free market. Uh, they want to be in a position of control, uh, like the Communist Party in Venezuela and, you know, Cuba and places like that. And again, and I have said this on your show before, people need to step back and look at what's happened to these countries when the Communist Socialists have taken over. Venezuela was a very prosperous, prosperous country, yeah. uh, the most prosperous country in South America. So the communists took over. Now it's one of the poorest countries in South America.
1: It's people are rolling, rubbishing, going through rubbish, trying to find food. I mean, it's, uh, people have lost an average of 25 or 30 pounds per uh, person in Venezuela. It's just, unless you're, you've you got that special card in Venezuela, you don't have a prayer, actually. And it, uh, it's very sad because it all happened in a, you know, it happens very quickly. You think about how Venezuela was just 20, 15, 20 years ago where it is now. And it could happen to us,
5: yeah, and uh, you know, of course, they were part of the their the big part of their economy was uh, the oil industry and that, and uh, you know and and that's why the commission will bring down because you know they take that stuff out then they control them.
1: yeah, just, sure, and it makes no sense. I mean, this whole notion about alternative energy, uh, you know according to uh, latest statistics, in terms of climate change. We've reduced emissions, carbon emissions, more than any other country in the world, and we're not even part of this Paris Accord thing. In spite of that, uh, what what he's what the government president is doing right now is dismantling the oil business. We have been totally independent. We've never we didn't last year. I don't think we ordered a barrel of oil from Saudi Arabia. Now that's all being reversed. We're going to have to get oil from uh, abroad because alternative energies can't provide, can't meet the needs of uh, this economy.
5: Well, that's right, and they and they uh, uh, or 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 our uh, workers and uh, and the companies in that, and that's that's the sad thing about all this and uh, i I you know Bob, I think I've told you I got right to work Pass in Indiana and right to work Pass in uh, Michigan, and I helped other states and uh, you know when I talked to these uh, union workers that, uh, you know that were u a w workers for ford and, and other companies and and other workers. Um, they just hated what, uh, the, uh, union bosses were doing and their, their allies and, uh, and, uh, they're going to be even in worse shape now.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's actually true for the school unions, teachers unions are just saying, well, we don't want to go back to school. We got to get our vaccinations first and all that type of thing. And quite, and of course the CDC says, what do, you don't need vaccinated. You can go back and start teaching now. Uh, and, uh, the teachers unions are such a powerful force in this country. This the uh, public school system is a public is a monopoly, unfortunately. And in this state, we're trying to get uh, alternative education like charter schools and uh, school choice, uh, for parents, which is a great thing. But, uh, under this administration, I think it's going to dampen the opportunity to do that.
5: Oh, it, it definitely is. And, uh, you, you look at the, um, the, uh, schools across country are doing the best. It's, uh, charter schools and Catholic schools are doing great, and, uh, you know, this is what we need to get back to, and I I even wrote this in my blogs years ago, that uh, we, you know, we need to get uh, uh, the unions out of the federal and state governments and uh, and the school systems and that, so we get people out doing the right things for themselves and the people that they uh, work for.
1: I couldn't agree more. Again, Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, I encourage you to visit the website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. It's a great book. You can get a copy there, or, of course, on my website at a nice discount. You can get uh, The Devil at Our Doorstep at uh, any book purveyor as well. Dave, always appreciate uh, your very animated and interesting commentary. Thanks so much for joining us.
5: Well, thanks for having me. I think, hope things go great for you next week.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Dave's uh, referencing the fact that on Monday uh 5:30 I show up at the hospital and uh, start the process to have back surgery. Uh it's been long coming. I've been uh really tried all the other alternatives uh, with good medical advice along the way. I got a great surgeon. So I'm submitting myself to this process. I'm hopeful and and uh, enthusiastic about it. Uh I look forward to being able to do some of the things I haven't been able to do uh, after the surgery is over. So that's going to be happening on Monday morning. I hope you think good thoughts for in the process. I'm going to be in the hospital probably three or four days, so I won't be doing the show next week. But uh, you know, there's a lot of good shows uh, in archives, so I hope you just check them out and listen to the, some some of the things we've done up up to this point. Genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary on the show and comments. If you'd like to send me an email, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail dot com. If you'd like to get on the distribution list for uh, the newsletter I send out after each show, again the uh, email address is bobharden at hotmail.com. No show uh, on Monday, Uh, no show for uh, next week. We'll start up uh, the week from Monday. What is that, the 22nd, I believe it is? I've forgotten. In any event, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast, great weekend as well, or wherever you are. Namaste.